0: time we turn to the reading and preaching of God's Word, so I invite you to turn to the Gospel according to Mark, Mark chapter 12. I'll begin reading at verse 38 to verse 44, the end of the chapter. Using the Bible, that can be found on page 1009. continues his teaching here, beginning at verse 38. Let's now hear God's word. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. For the reading of God's word. Let's ask this, word, this a blessing in the time of prayer. O oh, Father in heaven, we pray that you would grant your blessing and spirit upon the preaching of your word. May your word fall heavy upon our hearts, performing divine heart surgery on us. As we consider the cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus, our Lord and Savior. May you work your grace, your sanctifying grace in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the costs of discipleship is that it hurts to be a follower of Jesus. It hurts. It hurts to follow Jesus because he calls his people to love God and love our neighbor that is contrary to our nature. Sacrifice our will. Sacrifice our pride. Sacrifice the things that we hold so dear to us. Those things that are idols in our hearts and minds, we are called to sacrifice at the altar of the cross. There's a cost to following Jesus. Think of Jesus earlier in chapter 10. He obeyed the Father's will, even to the point of death on the cross. He came to do this Father's will, and that is to not be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He came in humility. And here in our passage, we have the scribes, we have the rich, and we have a poor widow. Oh, the gospel writers are so good at juxtaposing Groups of people. Of showing the difference between a poor widow and the rich and scribes. We see the abundant faith of a poor widow. What kind of faith do we see from the scribes and the rich? Who has the abundant faith in this passage? Of the three, who does it hurt the most to follow Christ? Maybe that's the question we need to ask. Who does it hurt the most?
1: Surely we can say the poor widow. Friends, I just want to let you know that I'm preaching myself here. So if I say you, I'm including me. Because on a topic like this, well, every sermon I'm preaching to myself, I should be,
0: when a topic like this comes our way through the exegetical preaching and teaching of the Bible, we all need to pay attention of what Jesus is saying here, lest we be deceived. Let's look at this passage together: "The scribes, the rich and a poor widow." Jesus here, at verse 38 and 39 and 40. We see the pride of the scribes, the pride of the scribes that the that the Lord Jesus is trying to bring to the attention of the people whom He's teaching to. Earlier, He was talking to a scribe. He had a conversation with a scribe, and this scribe was asking questions, legitimate questions, and he was genuine in his question. He truly wanted to know which commandment was the most important, and that is to love God and love our neighbor. But Jesus reminds him and all of us and those whom he's teaching here about a certain group of people who did not love God and love neighbor and they are the scribes. In the days of Jesus, the scribes were also known as experts in the law. They were lawyers. They were well-versed in the Bible and the Old Testament. They coveted greatness. They were prideful. They used their office and their authority to exploit, to gain wealth and prosperity, to gain a name for themselves. And so they relished in their exalted position, in their authority, and in their power. They not only had power, but they had authority. There's a difference between the two. Authority is a place in which somebody's put in that position by someone else. Power anybody can have, but they use authority to accentuate their power. <clears throat> Among the people. And we see this when Christ says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. They relished in those things. And earlier in Mark's Gospel, he warned the disciples, didn't he, about who's to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Remember that? You want to be great? Humble yourself, be like a child. Be like a child. He's not saying be childish. He's saying don't be like a child in terms of faith and trust and humility. Not childish in one's worldview and thinking. These seats in the synagogue were located in front of the congregation to be seen by all. In fact, it was kind of like this: seats looking at the congregation, and it was they were easily accessible to the to the um, scrolls in which they read. The problem isn't the place of seats. The problem is their hearts. They wanted to be there. They wanted to be sought out. They wanted to be seen and have accolades poured out upon them. They wanted to go to the strike and hills, the Walgreens, and walk around with their long robes so everybody could know who they are and what they're all about and be
1: greeted. They desired glory and praise. Friends, this is pride.
0: And furthermore, they use their authority and power to exploit the most vulnerable, widows. Listen, they they devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, make long prayers. We're not not quite sure how they devoured widows' houses. But they committed fraud against them to, to exploit them, to also... Rob them of their livelihood, rob them of their well-being, coveting
1: them and their goods.
0: I mean, think about today. The elderly need to watch out and not to be scammed by phone calls. For several times of elderly, we warn my mom, Mom, don't answer the phone if you see a number you don't recognize. <laughs> And if you don't know the person, don't give them your social security number. Don't give them your credit card number. Be aware. Because they're deceitful. Smooth words. Smooth talkers. They look good. They seem to have your well-being in mind. But inside, they're ravenous wolves. Aren't we warned as a church throughout scripture about this? Well, these widows were hunted and exploited. And they used their long prayers. Again, it's not long prayers that's the problem. It's that they're using their long prayers as a cloak for covetousness. As a cloak to cover up their deceiving spirits. To cover up their sin.
1: They're like narcissists.
0: The leaders' evil treatment of widows and orphans are an indication that the leaders have forsaken God and his his word and are worthy of divine judgment. Because, friends, we read this throughout the Old Testament that God loves widows and orphans. He loves the widow and orphan, those who trust in him and rely upon their Heavenly Father, because God is their husband, God is their father. God will take care of them. And these scribes, these, these prideful scribes, are warned by Jesus. They will receive the greater condemnation, for pride comes before fall. If you're taking notes, Isaiah chapter 10, Isaiah writes, Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees, and the writer's who keep writing oppression, to turn aside the needy from justice, and to rob the poor of my people of their rights, that widows may be their spoil, and that they may make the fatherless their prey. What will you do on the day of punishment, and the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help, and where will you leave your wealth? Nothing remains but to crouch among the prisoners, or fall among the slain. For all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. This is the judgment of God upon those who exploit and try to destroy the widow and orphan, the most vulnerable in society, those who are his people and trust in the Lord.
1: Those widows and
0: orphans that trust in the Lord. The New Testament, things haven't changed. Things haven't changed in the New Testament. James writes, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Friends, James is giving us a test of genuine, authentic, abundant faith. Faith works. Faith has feet to it. It loves one's neighbor. To the point, to the point that it hurts. Because we fight against our sinful wills and desires.
1: You all can sympathize with that.
0: We want what we want. Not thy will, O Lord, be done, my will be done. Oh, please don't tell me you don't struggle with that.
1: I sure do. I sure do. I have my interests before others, even my own family. I need to repent and turn to Christ and (coughs) once again be reminded of his forgiving love. Pride of the scribes, the pride of all human beings will be judged unless we humble ourselves before Almighty God and receive his forgiveness through the shed blood of Christ.
0: Mark records, then he goes from the scribes to the rich and a young or a poor widow. Secondly, the offerings of the rich and the poor widow. Verse 41 he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. It's actually less than a penny. Probably a third of a penny. A denarius was a day's wage in that time. This is 164th of a denarius.
1: Probably a quarter
0: of a penny. She was poor. And Jesus watches these two people, the rich and a poor widow, giving their tithes and offerings in the offering boxes. And I, in your sermon notes, I put a picture there of a, a shofar, and that's a, a ram's horn. And that was used to put in your offering. And there would be about 13 of them, they, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian in that day, there were about 13 of them throughout the temple for various causes. You have almsgiving, you have giving to the poor. Tithes for this and that. Just like we have second offerings here. They had multiple offerings. And they had offering boxes all over the building. All over the temple. That people gave. They were probably in the court of women. When they were giving. In the Old Testament. The people of God gave tithes to the Lord. Tithe means tenth. Tenth. Tenth percent. In the church today, we have, uh, as principal, 10% of our income goes to the Lord. In the Old Testament, they had a tithe for the Lord's tithe, the festival tithe, the poor tithe, the almsgiving tithe. When all was said and done, their tithe in total was about 25 or more percent. Think about that.
1: A minimum of 25%. The New Testament, there is no percentage prescribed. But we've taken the 10% model. And that's fine if people want to do it, as long as they're giving with the principle that's in Scripture give with a grateful, thankful, and cheerful heart.
0: That's the principle. How much. Does your money consume you and rule over you? That's
1: the issue. How much does it
0: possess you and me? What is your view of money? Why do you have it? Why did God bless you with it? Those are questions we ought to be asking ourselves. Jesus sees the rich man give large sums and he sees the poor widow give a third of a penny two copper cone, coins. How does Jesus know? Well we're not sure, but he knows. He knows, he knows that he, they give large sums. He knows that she gives a very insignificant amount compared to the rich. He knows. He knows, friends, what we give. And more than that, he knows our heart in giving.
1: Because it's not about the quantity, about the hearts. It's always about the heart with Jesus. Always. Always.
0: God knows what you give to the cause of the kingdom, He knows what I give. He knows your tithes and offerings. He knows what percentage of your wealth or income you give. He knows your W 2s. Your deacons don't ask you for your W 2s and compare it with your giving. They shouldn't. But we fail to forget that Jesus knows all of this. He knows every penny in your possession, every penny in my possession. And he not only knows the quantity, but more than that, he knows our hearts.
1: He knows the motive of our giving. And sometimes we don't think
0: about that when we give, this is a spiritual act of worship. Giving is a spiritual act of worship. It's something that should be thought through between couples or singles or whoever. If you're a Christian, you are called to give to the cause of the kingdom, to the cause of Christ, which is reflective of a heart that loves God and loves neighbor.
1: Think about it weeks before you give. Not the night before or the morning of He knows us.
0: Kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Kind of a sobering thought. When that basket went past you or, you know, I, listen, this sermon is about
1: between you and the Lord. It's not
0: me intruding on your giving. It's not leadership intruding on your giving. It's between you and the Lord. It's between my giving and the Lord. Please understand that. But because it's in the Bible, we need to talk about it. We need to hear a sermon on it. We need to hear Jesus
1: speak to us about it. We have two people. We have the rich and the poor widow. And
0: their offerings. Which offering reflects an abundant faith, the heart that loves God and loves neighbor was the faith of the poor woman, the poor widow. Look at me lastly, the faith of the poor widow, verses 43 to 44. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Oh, that's too idealistic. That's crazy. She has bills to pay. What is she doing that's foolish? Isn't that what we think rationally what we would be saying?
1: Jesus should be telling her you need to save your money to pay your bills and put food on the table. The rich, they gave large sum. That's great. Why isn't he commending them for that? Jesus says they gave out of the abundance of their wealth. They gave out of their plenty. Which is easier than giving out of one's poverty. When you have no money, when you're broke, it's hard to put two pennies together, isn't it? It's harder to make ends meet.
0: For the rich giving a large sum gives the appearance of a healthy heart and abundant faith. But not in the eyes of Jesus. Again, this is Jesus' judgment call. Because Jesus sees the heart's according to Jesus in this passage he says for the rich the large sum won't be missed because there's plenty more where that came from yes it's a large sum
1: but there's more where that came from for them so it's not a burden it doesn't hurt them it doesn't hurt them
0: the poor widow doesn't have an abundance of money but she has abundant faith Her gift is more precious and pleasing to the Lord because she gave out of her poverty. Her offering is at a great cost to her because she
1: gave until it hurts.
0: God is her all in all. God is her father. God loves her and will keep her and will always bless her and protect her. It's harder to give out of one's poverty because if one struggles financially, every penny counts. Every penny counts. They're not giving out an abundance. They're trying to make ends meet.
1: But again, is it really, really about the quantity? And I would you know, it's
0: about the heart. <laughs> yes, she gave all that she had. Why? Because her heart was all in for God. Her heart was all in. Is your heart all in for Jesus? Because if it isn't all in for Jesus, if it isn't, that will reflect on the way we live our lives. When we think of our possessions, how we live with our possessions, how we bless with our possessions, because they're ultimately from God, a gift from His bodily hand. Jesus said that she gave all that she had to live on. It's beautifully worded in the Greek. And the word there is bios, life, where we get biology, life. She gave her life. She gave her life. That's how it concludes. She gave her life.
1: And this is the person that
0: Jesus commends. Wasn't the boatload of money given in the offerings? In fact, they probably met the budget. With their large sums, they, they were able to. Make sure that the line items and the budget were all figured out. Everything's good. Does does Jesus...
1: Does that matter to Jesus? What matters to Jesus is the heart. The heart.
0: My heart. Your heart. If you're taking notes, I don't have time to read it now, but Psalm 148, verses 5-10... to Speak to the humble, being lifted up by the Lord. God watches over; the Lord watches over sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. This widow trusts, has abundant faith, until it hurts, because she's totally relying on her God and Father. Not the quantity of the gift that's of most significance in the passage. It's the woman's abundant faith in God and her love for God by demonstrating it through her offering. Remember what Jesus says, don't lay out for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, this is something that the rich young ruler didn't get earlier in chapter 10. It's something that the the Pharisees and the Herodians didn't get earlier in chapter 12 when Jesus says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. Render your whole devotion and heart to the Lord, and that will transform the way you think about life and possessions.
1: One commentator
0: wrote, For Jesus... The value of a gift is not the amount given, but the cost of the giver. The cost of the giver. She gave
1: until it hurts. It cost everything.
0: This is the power of the gospel at work in God's people. It is the power of the gospel that transforms lives, transforms our wills to graciously give. To the glory of Christ and to the cause of his kingdom and name.
1: Is Jesus
0: precious to you? Is he precious to your hearts? Is the care and well being of others, your neighbor, more important to you and me? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul speaks of the Macedonians who gave out of their poverty. They were broke, but they saw brothers and sisters in another part of the world that were hurting, struggling with famine, and broke. And they too were broke, and they gave out of their poverty. Why? Because Paul grounds their giving in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That is the grounds, the motive for gracious giving to the glory of God and to the cause of the kingdom. Because of the indescribable gift bestowed upon us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ gave his all, he gave his life unto death for a ransom for many. He became poor among us. He didn't have to, but he fulfilled the Father's will in obedience to the Father because he had you on his heart and mind to pay the penalty of your sins in his body, nailed to the tree. And yet we hold on to things as if they belong to us, they are ours, and nobody can touch them.
1: It is more blessed to give than to receive, says Jesus. He bids us to come to him and die so that we may live. That means it hurts. Having abundant faith hurts.
0: In conclusion, I want to read to you what C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity. He said I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. It. If our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, that is if it doesn't hurt us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. You may think that he's speaking too forthrightly there. But he has a very significant point. A very profound point. Do we have abundant faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and does that faith that faith determine how we view and use the blessings of God? Does it reflect a heart that loves God and loves neighbor? See, friends, this is a time where God performs divine heart surgery on you as an individual. Yes, I'm speaking corporately to all of you, but you individually, me in my own heart, where am I? Where am I? What rules my life? Because if Christ is Lord of my life, if he is my all in all, well, that will determine
1: how I view everything else. Does he have all of you? Or some of you? Or a little bit of you? Friends, let us not bury the treasures
0: bestowed upon us. If you're going to bury anything, if I'm going to bury anything, Let us bury our pride. Let us bury our sin. Let us bury our selfish wills that seek to please self. Let us bury all of that. Let us put on Christ and live for him and his glory, living in faith, faith alone, and having abundant faith that God will supply every one of our needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we bow before your throne, humbled by the fact that you call your people out of darkness and into the light of your Son, Jesus. We were once not your people, but now we have been called your people. We are a people that once did not receive mercy, but now have received mercy. Oh, Lord God, your gift is indescribable. Your grace is amazing. And we pray that, Lord, you would so move in our hearts and transform our lives in such a way that we reflect our trust in you by the
1: gracious giving to the cause of the kingdom. To the glory of your name. The
0: well-being of our neighbor. Oh, Father, help us to rightly, biblically understand every penny that we have belongs to you. And may we not bury that which you have graciously given to us to be used to the glory of your name. May our hearts reflect the grace that you have lavished upon us in the beloved
1: in Jesus' name.